Hello, welcome to In the Kitchen with Brett Thorne, a food service industry podcast by Restaurant Hospitality. I'm your host, Senior Food and Beverage Editor Brett Thorne. How's everyone doing? I'm doing pretty well. I'm, I'm getting ready to go to Chicago, a great food city, for its first pizza fest on July 23rd and 24th. And then I'm going to stay in the city for a few extra days to check out some other restaurants and stuff. So if you have any recommendations of things that I should do while I'm in Chicago, let me know. You can reach me at brett.thorn at informa.com or just track me down on social media. That's brett.thorn at informa.com. Brett with one T, Thorn with no E. Because my parents were environmentalists, they didn't like to waste letters. Anyway, one restaurant I might visit is Jake Melnick's Corner Tap, a Levy Restaurant's concept that is celebrating its 20th anniversary. That is a nice milestone and not something that many restaurants ever achieve. So to learn how they did that, I spoke with Andy Lansing, Levy Restaurant's CEO, who gave me a nice lesson in how to create a venue that provides something for everyone. He explained the type of front of the house and back of the house staff you need for a place like that as well as many other things that he has learned from his 34 years in the food service industry. And it is your lucky day because I recorded that conversation, and if you keep listening, you'll get his perspective on how to run great restaurants and other food service venues. Please enjoy my conversation right now with Andy Lansing. Andy Lansing, CEO of Levy Restaurants. How are you doing? I'm great, Brett. How you doing? I'm doing well. It looks like you have some sun in Chicago, as we do here in New York. Yeah, you know, in Chicago, we live uh, through the crazy winters for days and summer days like this. So, yeah, it's a nice one here. And yet you're trapped in an office talking to me. So I'm sorry. You know, nowhere, nowhere I'd rather be. That's And likewise. So... What are you guys doing at Levy Restaurants? I know Jack Melnick's Corner Tap is turning 20, which is nice, but I'm sure you guys got a lot going on. We've got a lot going on. Um, yeah, I think the, the most exciting thing this month, or one of them for us, is that Jake Melnick's Corner Tap is turning 20, which is, uh, as you know, an incredible milestone for uh, a restaurant. And uh, so we're really proud of that and, and proud of how strong it still is and what it's done over the past 20 years. You know, it's funny when I think of oh, 20, that is so old. Uh, but that means that, that Jake Melnick's was founded in 2002, which doesn't seem like that long ago. But in fact, it is. Uh, well, yeah, in restaurant, in restaurant terms, as you know, that's a long, good run, right? Yeah, that's 400,000 years in restaurant terms. So, yeah, so right. why, what, tell me, tell me and everybody else uh, about Jake Melnick's and why, uh, why do you think it's been successful and had such a good run? Well, I think, you know, Jake's was the first time we decided to take a shot at sort of a corner tap bar experience. Um, a couple things were, were running through my mind and our mind when we created it there. Uh, one was this sort of philosophy that I have that it's more exciting to eat at a bar than it is to drink in a restaurant. I just think when somebody comes upon great bar food, there's something really special about that. 
Secondly, I wanted to try uh, to create something with our folks that was really appealing to everyone. And as you know, Brett, that's really hard to do in the food business, right? I mean, you, you typically have to pick who you're going after. But I thought that with a, a, a bar slash restaurant like Jake's, we had a shot at, um, at appealing to a really wide demographic, which really did prove to be the case. I mean, from day one and including, you know, up until today, you go in, you go in that place at noon and you're going to see construction workers sitting at the bar with their hard hats eating a burger and you're going to see you know, shopping, uh, Michigan Avenue shopping folks there with big salads. And usually that doesn't exist in the same place. Those people don't want to be where the other ones are, but Jake's has been really special in, in, in that regard. And I think thirdly, one of the reasons why what we, we set out to do is we wanted us to create a really comfortable sort of corner tap environment. But my philosophy was I wanted it to to be funky, not junky. And there's a fine line between creating too much junk in a bar. Um, and I think those three things, Brett, those three sort of principles that we've stayed true to for 20 years, together with some pretty kick-ass food in my view, um, I think that's been the key to our success. Yeah, I mean, it, it certainly is, I think, to your point, more fun to eat at a bar than drink in a restaurant. So, I mean, because you're there, there's the bartender, there are other people sitting at the bar, you can have a conversation. Chicago's a friendly city, you can make new friends. Um, so that that sounds great. What what? How big is the bar? Is it like one of those huge wraparound kind of bars? It's a big, long bar that starts in the bar-ish side of the uh place and comes all the way into the dining room side. So no matter where you're sitting at Jake's, you really do feel like you're in a bar. And, um, and I think that people really love that experience. People love just finding a local joint, don't they? Like people just, they, you know, national chains are fine. National chains have their places. But when somebody says, oh, I got this place, it's got the greatest wings or their barbecue is just killer. Like we all, we can't get enough of that. Or even I like this place because the bartenders are friendly and I like the other regulars. And also I'm a regular. And when I walk in, they act like I'm Norm from Cheers. That's, that's always a great the cheers, the cheers experience for sure. And, and what's interesting is um, it's sort of the come together place through the years. You know, at any given time you go in there, whatever athletes are visiting from out of town, they're in there. Folks, you know, Adele, others are, who are doing concerts and staying down the street, they're there because there really is something for everyone. And so many places claim to be something for everyone. And I, in my opinion, very few really deliver it. Like they may have a crap salad because they're really focused on barbecue or they may have a great salad, but they limp along on a burger. But when you can go there and, the, and it's like I say, Nobody has a uh, nobody needs to veto a Jake's dinner because if you want to go there and get baby back ribs as good as you'll ever have, that's great. And if I want to go there and get a killer burger or salad, that's great too. And so um, that's what I think we were able to do, Brett, in hitting that sweet spot. Is Jake Melnick named after anybody? Is there a Jake? That's Melnick? a great. That's a big secret, but I'm gonna let you in on it. Oh, uh, so Jake Melnick. There is actually a gentleman named Jake Melnick who uh, has been the company driver 
uh, starting with Larry Levy decades ago and, and still drives um, for Larry named Jake Melnick. And uh, 20 years ago, we looked at Jake and we said, you know, it's time we name a restaurant after you, my friend. And um, what do you think about that? And he, of course, was elated. And I sat him down and I said, OK, here's the deal. I'll feed you for life, but you're not getting any percentage. This is not a license deal. This is not a royalty, but I'll feed you for life. You can bring all your friends there and show them what a big deal you are. And and he has and does. And uh, yeah, there is a real Jake Melnick. Does he need to have a special VIP card or do they know him when he walks in? He's a character. Everybody knows who Jake is. Everybody knows Jake. So what did you do? Uh, let's start with the, the atmosphere, the environment. What did you do to create a place where everybody feels welcome that, as you said, is funky, not junky? Uh, I mean, were there particular design elements or did you have to hire the right people or is it a whole combination of all of that stuff? Well, I think I, I think it was so many times these things turn out to be a hodgepodge of different looks. So we started with what I might call a northern Wisconsin woodsy feel to it. You know, there's so many great bars and corner taps in Wisconsin. So we started with um, just some real comfortable feeling wood, um, not highly polished, but um, just feels very natural, almost like you're in a cabin or you're in a, a northern fishing lodge. And, and then we just layered upon that, you know, we put some ceiling lights to just a little bit of warm character. When I say ceiling lights, almost like holiday lights, you know, strung across the ceiling, not overdone, but it just created a, a cool feeling. Um, fun signage, not taking ourselves too seriously. Um, you know, a sign across one of the main walls that says, why go home? You're here. That's painted on the wall. You know, that kind of a few beer, a few beer signs, but Beer signs can look awfully cluttered in, in commercial in a place like that. Uh, a little bit of artwork, fireplace. And so it just, it feels funky. It feels comfortable where you would like to sit and watch a football game um, and just have a, have a nice time with friends. And was there a particular personality type that you look for when hiring bartenders? Because those are crucial at a corner bar, at really at any bar, but at a neighborhood bar, you really need bartenders who are delightful and remember everybody's name and all that. Yeah, you're right, Brett. It's not, it's, it's not just the bartenders, it's the servers and it's, it's our managers. And we really do and have always, and we've been very lucky, looked for people and found people who um, have that magic of treating you like you're a guest in their home. Like that at the end of the day, there's thousands of books on hospitality, on service, on what it takes. Like at the end of the day, all we want is to be treated like we're a guest in somebody's home. And if, if you were a guest in my home, I'd say, Brett, you know, welcome. Nice to see you. What can I get you? Do you need another drink? Do you like that? Can I get you something else? You know, did you have any trouble finding parking? Whatever I would say to you, that's sort of the, the, the DNA that we hire Jake's for. And we've been really successful in that along the way. Of course, on top of that, you're going to ask them to pay you money, which I, I would never do if you were a guest in my home. But but it's fair. It, it's a business enterprise. So you kind of got to yeah. do that. Um, so how do you find those people when you're when you're interviewing? Do you just try to find people who are nice or or is there more to it than that? 
you said the magic word in our in our world, Brett. You, you, we hire for two things. We hire for nice and we hire for passion. Like those two seemingly commonsensical no-brainer traits are the two biggest predictors of success. I'm going to say at Levy, let alone Jake's. Like if you give me somebody who is nice and who is passionate, uh, they have the fire in their belly. Like, I don't care where they went to school, if they went to school, if this is their first job in the industry, it doesn't matter. That will, you will be a grand slam success at Levy, uh, including Jake's, if you have those two very simple um, qualities. Yeah, you can teach anybody how to make a Manhattan, not a problem. But teaching exactly. them. Exactly. And by the way, you know, I've had debate for years with people about whether you can train for nice. And I've heard both sides of that argument and read a lot about that. And, you know, at the end of the day, I come down to not saying I'm right. I come down to you can't train for nice. Like that's that's up to your parents. It's too late by the time you can't you come to us. It's certainly harder than training for chopping onions. hundred percent. And and speaking of which, you say that the food is great from barbecue to salad. What is the kitchen staff like? Well, first, we've been lucky that that many of them have been there for a long time because consistency in this industry is as important as anything else. And, you know, you take our French fries and our French fries, many consider to be among the best in Chicago. They've been made the exact same way and taste the same for 20 years and the same with the salad dressings and the same. So we look for consistency. And we have some really great kitchen managers and chefs who, whose passion isn't necessarily to create the next, oh my God, food trend. It's let's take the basics and do them really, really well like we always have and continue to evolve Jake's while always staying true to who we are. Yeah, I mean, especially in that kind of place, I wouldn't go there for culinary adventure. I would almost definitely order a burger. And I bet most of your customers order burgers when they go there. Um, yeah, their idea and their idea of adventure, Brett, is, okay, you know, we're known for our wings. We've been, we could talk about the wings. It's, it's been a signature. But people come for the fact that, okay, maybe there's, you know, there, there's 20 different sauces that we've done over the 20 years. And so maybe they'll try and get, get a buffalo wing last time, but maybe they'll get a firecracker wing or a triple X wing or a peanut butter and jelly wing. That's our idea of sort of evolution, not, okay, one day, um, you know, we're doing wraps. Like, no, that's not what we are. Or doing chicken feeds instead of chicken wings. No. (laughs) Even better. But probably not on brand for you guys. Um, No, and and I think that's the challenge. You you know that so many restaurants lose their way because they just kind of forget who they are. They forget what got into the big dance. They just change and they confuse people. And that's just, we've been really consistent here. Is it hard? It sounds like it's not, but is it hard to retain talented chefs when you're not asking them to do a whole lot of menu innovation? Or is it a question of just finding the person who loves consistency or loves the energy of the kitchen or whatever? Yeah, I think I think it's the person who you hire and setting the expectations up with them right away. And if their goal, you know, is to be um, 
a culinary innovator to, you know, and do foam food and tweezer garnishes and stuff. We may have a place for you somewhere else at Levy, but we don't at Jake's. And there, there are plenty of great people who just are, um, are major leaders uh, in, in running a kitchen that they're not wired, nor do they want to, to create the next microgreen topping for a foam dish. Like that's totally good. And the beauty with us is you can find, you can be anywhere. We can find you a place like that, but not at Jake's. Yeah, there, there is a whole, a whole world of restaurants. I mean, how many leading restaurants are there? 10,000? Well, no, if you, if you bring in all of our sports and entertainment, you know, stadiums, arenas, convention centers, cultural institutions, concerts, events, we're probably at 250 to 275 locations. Yeah. So, and is, is that helpful for you in placing people in, in the right venue? Like if you find somebody interviews and they're decent, you probably want to hire them somewhere because it's impossible to find decent people from what I've heard. So yeah, listen, I always say if, if you come to Levy and you want to do anything, but let's take the chef example, like there's no reason you ever have to leave this company. Like if you want to work fine dining, we got that. You want to go work Coachella? We got that. You want to do the Kentucky Derby? Got it. You want to work at Dodger Stadium? Got it. You know, Jake Melnick's got it. So, um, yeah, when we get talented, nice, passionate people, there's no problem finding places for them. That's good. And and what do you do? I asked that about cooks at, at, at Jake Melnick's, but in general, what do you do to keep them? Do you have special incentives or... Do you pay attention to them or say good job? I mean, how do you do it? Well, I think if you read any survey about what makes team members happy, everyone expects it's money. And money's there, but it's usually number like four or five on the list, right? What makes us all, from you to me to them, happy is being appreciated, feeling like you're a real significant part of the team, feeling like there are tons of growth opportunities for you that what you're doing now is not necessarily what you'll be doing a year or more if you don't from now if you don't want to do that and I think we I think we really take care of our people and and do all of those things including pay by the way that that really matter to them and I feel like more than ever today company culture is really really important it's always been like at the top of what's important to me personally and us. And I think if people feel like they're working for a company that has a big heart, that kind of leads with equal part of heart and mind, if you will, on almost all major business decisions or small ones, that that's the kind of company that, that we all want to work for, I think. Yeah. And, and how long have you been at uh, Levy, Andy? I've only been at Levy for 34 years, Brett. That's a good run. That's unbelievable, isn't it? Yes. Uh, yeah, people can't believe I've been in my job for 23 years, and you beat me by 11 years. And, and, and here's my question for you. How many people that start a job today are going to be there in 24 years, 34 years? I mean, is it zero? It's certainly a small percentage. It is small. How many in restaurants, how many are going to be there in three months is a good question. Yeah, we're in an industry and we're at a time where people move from thing to thing. So I'm really proud of, 
you know, our longevity that we have really at all levels of, of Levy. It's, it's something that we work hard on. And, and once we get great people here and they perform, we don't like letting them go anywhere. No, no, especially these. Well, I don't know. I always hear that these are the hardest times, except for maybe four months ago, the hardest times to find employees. Have you found that to be the case? It's really hard. It's really hard. Um, everybody's facing this, you know, you name the industry. I think hospitality has been hit particularly hard. Um, but yeah, it's, it is, um, it's not for the faint of heart trying to find uh, great people. There's a lot of people that left our industry um, during the pandemic, never came back for various reasons. Um, but there's other people who once it gets in our blood we this is this is who we are and, and you know this is this is kind of our careers and our lives so um, but it's a challenge right now have you learned anything about how to find or uh, replace people over the past couple of years are there new techniques or approaches or, or styles that you guys have come up with I think honestly we've tried to sort of stay true to who we are we, we here's here's who Levy is guys we're not perfect, but we're, we're pretty good. And um, we're different than any other company out there. Different doesn't mean better or more suited to you, but we're different. And you either love that and understand the importance of it and the culture, and it's a great cultural fit or it's not. And if something's not a great cultural fit, doesn't mean there's something wrong with you, right? It just, it's not a great fit. And once you know, yes, during the pandemic, we did everything everyone else did, referral bonuses, stay bonuses, you know, all the all the obvious. But I think at the end of the day, we just tried to be really good to our people throughout the whole thing. Um, and people recognize that and they reward you with their loyalty when you're good to them in times that are kind of lean. With like when you're at stadiums and there are no events and uh... And when you're in a restaurant and you can't uh, seat anybody, which was the case for, for a couple of months, did you did you have to lay off a bunch of people? Yeah, listen, I, it's hard to imagine an industry that got hit more between the eyes than, than the hospitality industry. It's mm -hmm. hard to imagine a company that got hit more between the eyes than a company that's doing live events and sporting events and right public restaurants. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, we had to uh, we had to bring things sort of down to its studs and find what I call our resting heartbeat. Uh, and just, you know, my mantra to everyone, Brett, was, look, we had an amazing business going into this pandemic. We're going to have an amazing business coming out of it. We just have to, you know, navigate these sort of rough seas for a period of time. And it's not going to be fun or easy, but it's not like our business is one that was going to be fundamentally changed after the pandemic, like so many businesses. And so we did what we needed to do. Um, bringing things down to the studs, furloughs, um, everything that everyone else had to do. But when people turned the lights back on, on in, our, in our business, it was sudden. We thought there was going to be a bit of a dimmer switch to bring things slowly back, but it was like people were ready to go. Even in like central business districts where a lot of the people who used to work there every day are now working totally from home or coming in once a week, that kind of I thing? Think that, I think that's a little different, but in, in, the, in the primary core of our business, our stadiums and arenas and events, people were like so excited to get back to live events, to get back to stadiums and arenas. And 
they they were ready to spend too. They were, you know, not only am I happy to buy that expensive beer, but I'm going to buy three because I've been at home for two years. And, uh, you know, let's go. And so a combination of things led to that uh, spending, but uh, people were, were ready to come out of this pandemic a lot faster in terms of their willingness to go back and spend than we thought, but thank goodness for it. Yeah, here, here in New York, I think people were a little more hesitant, but I wasn't. Once I was fully vaccinated, uh, two weeks after my second vaccination, April 9th, 2021, I was out and uh, I got to explore my home neighborhood for the first time because in the past I'd have to go all to all the trendy whatever. Now I go to places like Jake Nonick's where, where I'm a regular, where they know me, where they're yeah. funky but not junky, where the food is good and consistent and the regulars are charming as are the bartenders. And it's so much fun. Yeah, it's nice to be able to find those kind of places and to sort of look at the world with a new lens once you once you came out of hibernation. Yeah, it was great. Do you, do you I, I'm guessing you probably go to a lot of the non-Levy restaurants to stay abreast of what's going on in the industry. Um, is Do you think you go to restaurants like a, a normal customer or, or are you always like hyper-focused and oh. paying attention to everything? <laughs> I wish I, I wish I could go and enjoy a meal uh, because here's the here's here's the situation when I'm in when I'm in one of our restaurants. I I can't relax. I mean, I'm trying, but I'm looking and I'm like, that guy needs water. That guy's looking for his check, that server, that bit like I just my mind can't stop. It's a curse. Um, so and then when I'm in other people's restaurants, I'm still seeing things both that I like and that I don't like, I don't have the stress like that it's my place, but my mind is just, why are they doing it that way? Oh, that makes sense. Oh my God, I can't believe they're doing that. That's terrible. And I just look forward to the day someday, whenever that is, that I can just sit back and take in a meal without my mind going and going and going. I mean, we've just met, but I don't think your brain is ever going to let you do that. I <laughs> You could be right. You could be right. It could be a, a lifelong curse or blessing. Well, and when you're in uh, one of your restaurants, I imagine everybody's doing their best to be on their best behavior because they probably spot you. If, if you're doing your job, they probably know who you are. Yeah. I, you know, it's a two-edged sword. I spend so much time in our operations all over the country because that's where, that's where it's at. Like, I don't like being in the office because customers aren't in my office and partners aren't in my office. So I really am out there um, consistently. And the good side is that, um, yeah, people know who I am. Not, not an ego thing. I know their names. They know who I am. I mean, they're family. Right. So I could never, ever, ever sneak into one of our places ever. Um, and, and that's okay on one level. Sometimes I wish that, um, that I could not because I want to ambush them, but I'd love, I know they're stacking the deck when I'm in there sometimes, but I also have such confidence truly that this is the way they are all the time. I really, I, I may get a little edge, but I think my experience is the same as other people's. I'd like to believe that now. And if you're, if you're, Looking at operations, which I'm sure you're doing, looking at every aspect of operations and seeing how things are flowing, that's not something they can suddenly get better, right? Because one person walks in, they are, they have to be 
working like a well-oiled machine or they're not and they can't they can't just suddenly oil it there's not there's not a lot of things you can correct on the spot so you can you know the one thing that i can do in all in one of our places or uh or competitors is once i'm two feet in the door i can I can size up what's going, I can tell if that restaurant is in the weeds, I can tell if they're short, whatever, right? That's just from being in this business for so long. Um, I, I would say the only thing that I occasionally I'll say is, you know, if I'm sitting and eating and the managers are coming over and talking to me, sometimes I'll smile at them and say, hey, go talk to that table. Don't worry about me. I'm coming back. I want to make sure they come back. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm a reporter. I don't, I don't work in restaurants, but there's still times when I'm in a restaurant and I want to just say to the bartender, that person needs a drink over there. And, um, <laughs> exactly. I do sometimes. Uh, how did you get into this business, Andy? I got into this business in a totally strange way, Brett. I joined Levy um, a long time ago as general counsel for the company. I was in private law practice Levy somehow found me. I had only been practicing for a couple of years. I came to Levy as general counsel. Really wasn't what I wanted to do. It took some convincing because I was uh, doing a lot of really cool things at the time, representing some NFL football players and uh, you know doing corporate real estate law. And I came and and joined as general counsel. I had no business in that role. I was too young and inexperienced. I had the worst imposter syndrome you could imagine. I was faking it along the way. And after a year or so, I kind of figured it out or most of it out. And just because I'm curious, and we were a much smaller company then, I would kind of innocently poke my nose around other areas. And, you know, I would just like say to Larry Levy at the time, Larry, I don't understand, like, why do we buy six olive oils in our company? Like, maybe if we bought two or one, we'd get better pricing. And he'd say, yeah, it sounds great. Go set up a purchasing department. So I'd go set up a purchasing department. And then I'd say, I don't know why we do it that way in human resources, or shouldn't we do this? He goes, set it up, like, go do it. And so over time, I started doing things that didn't have anything to do with the law, just because I was curious. And Larry was great in, in terms of saying, go figure it out. And so over time, he just pulled me out of the, he says, you're a good lawyer, but I like what you're doing on the other side of the business. So how about you find another lawyer and join me on the business side? And so I did that without any expectation of, I mean, if you would have told me that I was going to be in the restaurant business for my career, I'd tell you, you were out of your mind. It was never on my radar screen. So what do you think kept you here? Do you, is it the energy of the restaurants or the weirdness of the industry that shouldn't actually work ever, but it does? I mean, what, what, what do you like so much about your job? Well, a couple things. I think number one, it is, unmistakable that people in the food, most of the people who have been in this industry for a while, there's just something about it that gets in your blood. There's something about the food service business that either speaks to you or it doesn't, right? And, and for whatever reason, it spoke to me. It just like, it, it just lit a fire in my belly that um, I didn't realize I had a passion for. But when you combine that with the concept of working around food and sports, which is what I really have had the blessing of doing. Like, come on, Brett, it doesn't get much better than that. Food and sports. So it wasn't hard to be passionate about what I was doing. Uh, like, wait a minute, I can eat hot dogs while I'm at, you know, a uh, Cubs game while I'm working on like, so it just gets, it just gets into you and it's it stuck with me. I can't explain it. I still got that sort of fire. 
Well, that's good. It's good that you're still enjoying your job 34 years in. Um, what what plans are on the drawing board for EV restaurants these days? We've just been growing. We used the pandemic to control what we could control, which was growth. And we have been like on an insane growth trajectory for years. Uh, new lines of businesses. We we now do virtually, you know, in addition to opening restaurants from time to time, our, our business in the sports and entertainment business just continues to grow. Um, we're doing virtually all the new soccer buildings that are being built or opened in the country. Um, every NASCAR track, almost without exception, is ours. We've grown in that business, convention centers, big time minor league baseball. I alluded to Coachella the other day. We do most festivals, you know, most of the music festivals throughout the country, uh, tennis tournaments, the U.S. Open. I mean, most of the high profile events. And we've just been doing more and more of those things. So um, that's been what's going on and what's going to continue to go on. So it sounds like you are expanding more in the uh, on-site slash non-commercial sector than in opening new restaurants. Um, sorry, we love, we, yeah, no, we love the restaurant business. We, we love operating restaurants. We think that's what makes us good on, um, the non-restaurant side of it because we don't treat people like captains, right? It, it's, we know what it's like to go out every night and, and trying to win your business to come to our restaurant when you have so many options. And I think if you take that restaurant tour mentality to a place like a stadium or an arena where historically people honestly were treated like captives and were treated with very mediocre experiences like um, the restaurant DNA in our kind of operating restaurants and having chefs train in our restaurants. That's what we think makes us good on the other side of the business. So we're always going to open a restaurant or two a year, you know, new operation, but, but the explosive growth is on the sports entertainment side. I would guess that's more profitable. Is it more profitable? Yeah, it's better. It's better. You know, if, if the economics are better, it's not, it's, it's not easy. It's, it's, it's brutal, but um, not signing a lease at Maine on Maine for a restaurant that you hope and pray will be successful on a lease you're bound for, for a lot of years with a massive investment that you don't know. Um, I, 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 we have a much better degree of certainty of, the other side of the business of being able to, to do well over the long term. Restaurant business is not for the faint of heart. No, no. And, and, and at a stadium, you know what the events are. You have a pretty good idea of how many people are going to show up. And I bet you guys have now gotten to a point where you know what they're going to order also. Like, well, that's pretty amazing because our, our E15, which is our analytics division, which, which is advanced analytics, they, they tell us things. I mean, they can tell you at a baseball game in six minute increments, how many hot dogs we're going to sell, where, you know, tell me who's pitching. And I can tell you what our business is going to look like that night. Cause they have all these algorithms on game time and, and when people arrive at a game and what gates they're coming in. So yeah, we, we, we put it down to a bit of a science. That's cool. I think it's cool. Maybe other people think it's soulless, but it's not. You're still selling hot dogs to people, which is beautiful. No, I think it's neat. I think, look, we grew up as sort of a right brain creative company. And I think with E15, we've been able to develop a left brain analytic 
analytical side and those two together are pretty powerful, right? I mean, I'll never supplant our gut-based decision-making, but on the other hand, to have somebody say, look, what you're feeling may not happen because of this. It just lets you make more intelligent decisions. Yeah. So do you have a restaurant opening on the books that you can tell us about or is everything secret or not done yet? Ah, well, I, I would say um, in terms of restaurant openings, nothing in the next few months, uh, probably our next big things that are happening at the company is in a couple of weeks, we're doing uh, the uh, Major League Baseball All-Star Game at Dodger Stadium. That's a big, big few days for us. And then in a couple months, we'll be doing the U.S. Open Tennis Tournament in Flushing Meadows, which is a massive, I call it a food event that happens to have tennis with it. Um, but that's, that's a big one for us. And that, that, that might be the highest degree of difficulty of anything we do as a company. I mean, we literally fly in thousands of managers and chefs over a few week period to, um, to, to just do enormous amounts of food and beverage business. Well, it's, it's a pretty fancy crowd that goes to the U.S. Open. It's expensive to buy those tickets. I, I couldn't afford to go to the U.S. Open. So it's, uh, it is, I, does that translate into fancy food or do they also want hot dogs and beer? Well, what you find at a place like the U.S. Open is, is the spectrum and you have to do the spectrum. So you want to go there and grab a dog and a beer. Fantastic. You want to go up a little bit and have like the greatest steak sandwich ever. Fantastic. World-class tacos. Fantastic. And if you want to go all the way up to sushi and as fine end seafood and steak as there is in the country, you can have an ultra high end experience. And, you know, it's, it's like that at the Kentucky Derby, major events like that. You got to be able to reach everybody. Certainly give them the opportunity to spend as much money as they want, but also to have a decent meal without spending as much money as you want. Can For I sure. recommend that you start offering paper or selling paper cones just filled with caviar? I think those would sell well. Paper cones with caviar. Or okay. maybe not paper, some kind of cone with caviar. Because you want to do caviar on the run? Is that the, what, tell me yeah, your you theory. Just you just want to walk around and carry caviar and feel bad okay. at it. You're like, I just bought $300 worth of caviar. And I'm going to eat it with this mother of pearl spoon that I always carry with me because that's the kind of person I am, something like Okay, that. look at me. I'm old school. This is my pen and I am writing this down is an idea because I've never met a bad idea, whether it works or not. But you can be sure I'm going to have a conversation with our guys and say Brett had this idea. Kona caviar. Yeah, maybe Brett's. If, if you want to name it after me, you may. Uh, I know there's a, there's a royalty. No. You can just, you know, I, uh, it's immoral for me to like take consulting fees as a journalist. So you can just do it for free. You can just have right. use comments right. if you want. Stay tuned. Um, uh, Andy Lansing, it's, it's been a pleasure hanging out with you for the past, however, 30, 40 minutes. I hope we get to do it again. And uh, congratulations to, to Jake Melnick, the driver and the restaurant. And uh, <laughs> I wish them 20 more years of success and, and you at least 34 more years of success. Oh boy, that's pushing it, but I'll take it. I appreciate it, Fred. I enjoyed speaking with you. We'll see you down the road. 